I'm Jerry Durham. And I'm Andrew Rothschild. And we are the Healthcare Disruption Podcast, bringing you information, ideas, and thoughts from the outer edges of healthcare, and sometimes even from outside of healthcare, where the true changes will occur. What we believe is the singular focus on the patient will bring about the only true change in healthcare. Thank you for coming and enjoy today's show. All right, welcome back to Healthcare Disruption Podcast. I'm Jerry Durham. And again, uh, without my sidekick and Robin, Andrew Rothschild. Uh, Andrew is unfortunately having to do the hard work, which is go to work and treat patients. Well, I, I sit at home and uh, do an interview and continue the interview that I started two episodes ago with a mentor and superhero friend and colleague of mine, Mr. John Wolf. How are you doing today, John? I'm well, Jerry. How about you? I'm always doing well. Thank you very much, especially when I'm doing these podcasts. So, John, do me a favor. Uh, This is part three of a three-part series, shall we call it, that we determined would be three parts about 15 minutes ago. So, um, we're on to part three, and we'll probably get on the horn again later, but I want to continue the conversation. So, will you recap a little bit what we talked about in those first two episodes for for everybody because there's probably been some time in between the episodes. Yeah, let's the, kind of the recap is this. We, we, we all, we started the conversation about this idea of patient centered care versus expert centered care and kind of my notion, and I'm, I'm trying to disrupt everybody by telling everybody that patient centered care doesn't work. It's just, it's, it's, it's a starter, but it's not an endurer. I can't say it's a non-starter, but I can say that it started because we're all thinking that it's going to happen. But every, when I talk to colleagues around the country, they're saying, man, it, 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 it just doesn't work. It doesn't work because you can't omit the, in a relationship. You can't omit, if it's all about the patient, what about the provider? And if, and if we don't start to take care of ourselves and understand our own role in the process of helping others, um, then we're not going to succeed. So I've reframed the whole conversation around the idea of like relationship-centered care. So we gotta really focus on what happens between the patient and the provider. Interestingly, that, that is exactly the same thing what Therapeutic Alliance is about. Therapeutic Alliance is about this idea where uh, the patient and the provider are coming together and unifying on an agreement of the goals, an agreement on the task to accomplish the goals, and unconditional positive regard, which means Unconditional positive regard is one of those major barriers that we often have in relationships. It's not easy to be completely resilient and flexible to all the different personalities that come into our clinics. And oftentimes that's one of the barriers that, and it's one of the things that kind of suck our energy dry, is uh, the inability to understand how to manage that kind of, that part of the relationship. So when, you know, and, and it's got to get to the next part. Uh, last time we talked about the the idea that, you know, this training isn't just about learning a bunch of skills. I mean, you can learn some communication skills and, and what to say and these kind of things. But if you don't really pay attention to how, who you are in the relationship, which means all your own beliefs, your own uh, limitations, limiting beliefs with regards to how you engage with the patient, if you don't get to a, a deeper overall level of understanding how the, how your own story is impacting the patient's story, there's a and how it's gelling or meshing with the current patient story, you run the risk of getting it cross purposes. In other words, you'll have your own story 
um, overruling or overriding the patient's story, and that's going to create a giant problem. And often the problem is an inability to connect. And the example we used last time is how often do patients simply not come and show up again or no show because, you know, they just didn't absolutely feel that you were guiding them in a way that was acceptable to them. So that kind of, I think that brings us back around to kind of the next step about experience. And um, you had some specific thoughts to kind of kick us off. Yeah. Um, whew, that was a great intro. We could end that sucker there and you could uh, roll that back. Um, so much good stuff in there. I keep saying on all these, I've, I keep hearing new things and I do, and I've already got my third sheet of notes here. Just good stuff that I need to take back with me. So here's this thing. We, we talk about this relationship-centered care. You know, I heard it from John first. I love the word because I'm in full agreement. Pa Patient-centered care isn't going to lead to our success, isn't going to lead to the patient's success, isn't going to lead to healthcare success, isn't going to lead to physical therapist and physiotherapy success. What's going to lead to success is a relationship-centered care. Because plain and simple, it doesn't take the rocket science and it takes zero rocket science to understand in your personal life, relationship-centered care is a number one. You got a thought about that, John? Yeah, and, and you know, those of all, all your listeners that will be at the Combined Sexes meeting in 2018 in New Orleans, not only are Jerry and I going to have a drink and talk about this, or maybe two or three, but uh, I'm also presenting, I'm presenting on this topic in the private practice section about how patient-centered care is a myth and how we're going to, awesome. how we need to capture that unicorn and put that thing back in the stable. Awesome, awesome. CSM 2018 in New Orleans, that's in February. So please, if you're headed out there, I challenge everybody. I know people listening to this podcast are inter interested in these things, yet I challenge people every year to find things that they're not comfortable with that they're not familiar with and use CSM for that. And my God, this sounds like a great thing for everybody to come to and I'll be blowing the hell out of this. And if it's not too early in the morning, say before noon, I may even be there. So that's good to hear, John. Yeah. 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 So um, I know. New, Orleans, New Orleans has a way of, um, shall we say, influencing decisions and, um, you know, making us how about make bringing out How about bringing out the best in all of us? Right ah, here? there you go. One. New Orleans brings out the best in all of us. As I call it, right. they have a lot of truth serum there. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> so you know, this thing of relationships in her care again. So then I meet John. I, I dive into this word and I'm like, this is it relationship center care. This is what's going to get people, physical therapists, to better connect with their patients, right? Their clients, their customers. This is what we need. This is the hard work. Repeat after me. Relationship-centered care is hard. Patient-centered care is easy. Expert-centered care is easy. Relationship-centered care is hard. Repeat after me. It's hard. I can, uh, I'm Maitland trained. I did a year of Maitland training. That stuff is easy. This is the hard part. We have to bring this evidence in if we want to be successful. Right. And even let's categorize that word hard. And I have a teacher who used to say it this way. Tabletops are hard. This is difficult. No, that's kind of a smart ass thing to say, but this is the podcast for saying smart ass things. No, it's perfect. It, it's know, perfect. Well, it's perfect. kind of, imagine this though. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to even challenge this idea that it's that hard. I'm going to put it this way. Now imagine not everybody who listens plays golf, 
but you probably can at least familiarize yourself with this idea that, you know, if you're playing golf and you go to see a golf teacher, right? And the golf teacher is going to take a look at how you're golfing because you, you desire to get better. So a golf teacher sees some stuff and then what happens after you get a lesson or two? What's the first thing that can happen? Well, it screws up your game. Yeah, right, you know, right. That's, that's what I was that's actually thinking. It gets harder. Yeah, <laughs> it gets harder initially. But what happens is once you start to see it differently, guess what happens? Your game gets better. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all in this game to get better. But, but like you said, and I think the podcast even has the name that says the same thing. You've almost got to disrupt what you're doing in order to get better. Because the same formulas of doing it this way with regards to with our, with how we're relating to patients in this kind of just passing right by, not even paying attention to half the communications that they're giving us, um, it just doesn't work. It's not going to work for the next generation of what we need to be in healthcare. And what we need to be is uh, we got to be expert golfers. Right. And which means you're going to have to get some lessons in golf that are going to kind of mess up your game and trusting, knowing, trusting that, you know, you're going to get on the other side of that being so much better. Yeah, that's perfect. So here we are, you know, headed into relationship centered care, challenging ourselves to get better in doing things that are difficult of which you're going, that's fucking hard. And I hear you, mm-hmm. but we're going to say difficult now. Difficult. Um, it's difficult. difficult. I get it. Um, we all get it. And that's why we probably don't want to do it. So here we are with this and learning. And, and here's what I'm going to challenge you with, because we're talking relationship center care. And every time you think of that word, you, the listener of this show, you, the healthcare provider, whatever role you're in, you're imagining relationship center care only in your role. I am a healthcare provider. That person sitting across from me, that person returns for a visit, that person calls me on the phone. But what I, what I want to do now in this episode with John, and John is familiar because, again, we, we have taught this together and we've done a lot of talking about this outside of our teaching, is how do we bring this relationship-centered care as the center? By the way, I'm going to use this new word I love that I used to hate until I learned it, and it's not the word hard. It's the word culture. How do I bring relationship-centered care into the culture and make it, by the way, make it the culture? Because that's what I'm currently helping business owners do. And it sounds difficult. It sounds hard. Yet it is, it is a little uncomfortable at the beginning. And then you see how it cruises and connects all these dots that you as the business owner, you as the practice owner, you as the potential business or practice owner, never quite knew how you were going to connect. And that is the single one problem I see with everybody contacting me is they don't know how to connect the dots. And that's okay. Because as soon as you admit that, then we can connect the dots. And if you want to build a true patient-focused relationship-centered care culture, then the way to do that is map out that patient experience. So again, in this episode, I want to talk about how we can start to do that. And I think this is going to be, you know, it's going to be a combination of everything you've ever heard on every episode, including the previous two. And so what I'm going to do is put the challenge out there to our expert that I brought on, uh, Mr. John Wolf. It's Mr. John Wolf, not Dr. John Wolf yet. But I'm going to throw this out to um, John is 
tell me, so this word, because I use it, I used it in a presentation this past weekend in Seattle, therapeutic alliance, patient expectations, and, um, oh, and equipoise, but we're not getting, well, actually we are talking about equipoise today, but I'll let you guys go look that up on your own. So John, how are we going to, everybody says therapeutic alliance. There's not a provider in this country, 99.999% of us say therapeutic alliance, patient and provider. And I say, okay, where can it be built? Patient and provider. Tell me how you see the therapeutic alliance being facilitated, grown, whatever you want to call it, outside of that patient sitting across from the provider. Yeah, that's that's a good one. And this is where I've I've watched how you're building a model for this. And I've, I've, I've come to completely appreciate the importance of it, in large part because it's about relationship. Relationship with whom? Or with what? Now, relationship is a fundamental uh, process for human beings. We are in relationship with stuff all the time. I'm in relationship with Amazon. Those guys got my number. I mean, they're emailing me some stuff. I want some stuff. Guess who I call? I call Amazon. I, the, the, the ability for me to have a relationship with Amazon is very easy, and they've made it very easy for me. Because, man, they just know who I am. They know my stuff. I want some stuff. I go get it. Kind of the question that, uh, that you're trying to get out there is you're trying to say, well, listen, how well are you, is your customer, how well is that relationship with your business? What's the relationship between your business and that customer? And, and like you said, I mean, I, I'm really, really focused on what's happening between the patient and the provider, but I have a complete appreciation for how the rest of the business engages. And when I ran, when I was the CEO and leader of a company, uh, physical therapy practice, my interest was on every single level that we are in relationship with the uh, patient and the customer um, through every mechanism possible. So the, uh, the ability to, to, first of all, be in relationship depends number one on the leader. I can't not overemphasize this. This is a major issue, is that leaders of companies, those who are empowered, don't often completely, aren't able to get out of the way enough to, to build a culture necessary for what would ultimately be the most enduring business you can ever create. And if it's, and I, I say this, and I've always said this in my environment too, if, if you are not relationship-centered, there's nothing going on. If you don't have a good relationship with, with either your, your colleagues or the rest of your clinical environment, your support staff, your front office staff, if you don't have that relationship, everyone notices it because that's what culture is. Culture is a combined ability for people to come together and say, you know what, I'm gathering around this. I know who I am. I know with whom I'm in relationship and I know where we're going. And, and that's a measurable phenomenon. And I, I, I can I say love it. that. Yeah. I love it. Well, in, well, in addition to, to teaching this at a, a patient provider level, I mean, helping organizations understand the degree to which they're in relationship with themselves mm -hmm. is really going to determine how much, what, if there are any barriers at all to executing it. So when you get a leader who says, you know what, I want that kind of relationship with my customer, which is what you're offering, Jerry. I mean, as soon as you say that, your job, your next job is to make sure that everyone else is aligned with that, and then you get the skills and systems to support it. But the number one job 
is that the CEO or the leader or whoever, they, whoever the person is, they've got to decide for the reasons that are coming clear to everybody to be competitive in this new way of doing it. You've got to make a decision that I need to acquire the information systems to put this systematically through my organization. Knowing, back to our little example a second ago, knowing that any change in your golf swing is going to kind of disrupt things for a little while. That's cool. But, but guess what? If you want your golf swing to get better, you're going to have to change some things. Yeah, I love it. Um, that culture word, that word I didn't like till about six, eight months ago. And understanding that, because I don't think I really understood before what it meant to create a culture. Now, why, didn't, why, didn't, why didn't you like it? Because I didn't understand it. Got it. Yeah. I, I didn't have right. the, so now I you understand yeah. right and by the way didn't understand it let me clarify John just so you because maybe you have more input on this let me clarify I didn't understand that I'm, I was like it was it was a little too believe it or not the guy has always been knocked and rightfully so for not liking research for not reading research and everything I didn't I needed a little more objectiveness to it and believe it or not relationship center care is objective and to your point and to my point, I believe over time, I have figured out how to measure it. And I'm not saying your measurement will be the same, anybody on here, but I figured out how to measure it. And I brought it down to one or two things that everybody in my company from admin to billing to provider has buy-in on that they understand how they fit into it. And mind you, I backed into understanding culture. After I'd created all this and helped other people create it, one day I was reading an article on culture in Harvard Business Review and went, holy shit, this thing I've created, that I help people create, that I've created is culture. And, you know, yep. that, that's where we got to it. And um, again, then, then what, you, what is so cool is I could take this therapeutic alliance, this managing expectations, and I could take it to other people, back to my point about growing this outside and making it part of the culture, is my front desk knows about building trust. My front desk knows about managing expectations, where traditionally, and even myself, all we worried about was that healthcare provider understanding therapeutic alliance and managing expectations. Now, my front desk is asking, have you had physical therapy before? And not for the reasons that most people are asking it. We're asking it because that information is going to get passed on to the physical therapist. So before that patient walks into the evaluation, they already know the primary, shall we say? expectations of that patient who's going to be sitting across from them. And that's part of how building this experience and out and what you're teaching about the interpersonal, how can I here, here's something, John. And, and I talked about the a lot this past week in Seattle and John and I were very close, probably closer together than we've ever been. And I never saw him as I was busy drinking elsewhere, but how <laughs> do across I, the sound? <laughs> yeah. How do I bring this interpersonal agreement, interpersonal communication. How do I tighten all this up? So by the time the person walks in the room, they go, they're sitting across from this guy who introduces himself as I'm your physical therapist, John Wolf. And in their brain going, I know you, I know you already. Whereas 99.9% .9 of the time you sit down and you're like, who the fuck are you? Now you're going, I know you. And then John starts to slowly work through his process and the person's going, not only do I know you, but I'm in the right place. Yep. Yeah. And that relationship, 
isn't, you know, it's funny. You, you say it that way and you say it very well with conviction is that it's the, the patient, you know, you, I'm going to, I always, I try to teach it this way. You know, we are uh, honored to be in somebody's story when they call us. Truly. I mean, they call us in pain of some sort. And we are honored to be a part of that. Now, that should be a way of being for everyone in your environment. A way of being. And I can tell you, it gets really difficult if you've got people in your organization who are clock punchers, who are just trying to get the information to jam it into the system so that the machine works. Part of a, part of a comprehensive training for a culture is getting, getting everybody clearly into the identity of who they are and what role they play in someone else's story. I mean, this is important stuff, man. This isn't tiny little stuff. I love that. I love that. I love that. And you and I both know if you go back into successful people, it's not more money. It's acknowledgement. It's understanding. When I show up at my eight to five, how am I playing a role in this greater success? And let's face it, most most healthcare offices don't help their non-licensed people to understand the success they play. In the companies I work with, including where I was this weekend, I pointed out the admin and the people knew in that room within the first hour of a four-hour presentation that the admins were the most important people. And I say most important because if, if you can't start building that relationship, if you can't start that, the provider is going to have a more difficult time. You're going to have less people on the schedule. So again, how does this fit into all of it? It's pretty tight fit and building that culture and, hey, nice job. And then going back to people and going, hey, what changes do we need to make? You know what, Jerry? I'm hearing all these things. Oh, really? Take me through this. They know the experience. I know the experience. Once you empower these people, they make your company better, truly better. Yes. And, it's, and then, the, the, to sum it up, then the customer has a relationship with your organization, an enduring relationship with the organization, a relationship that they're willing to get on the Yelp, get on the Twitter, get on the Facebook and whatever, and just tell people, man, I had an awesome experience, you know, and, you know, and there's something cool about an awesome experience, not just the business success, right? Which, you know, if you're, if you're a business owner and you're listening to this, you know, that's important. But also, if you're a patient and you want to get better and you have a thing, whatever that thing is, there's some complex things out there, your thing is going to get better in the context of a great relationship. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I teach it the same way in organizations that, you know, your front office person's a healer. They're part of the healing team. Your tech, part of the healing team. Person who answers the phone, part of the healing team. I mean, you can't, billing side. everyone's in this billing, billing side. side. Oh my gosh. Billing is the, I mean, think of, think of the things that can ruin experience, Jerry. Just think about it. And I, I know you know it cause you're in the, you're, you're disrupting everybody by saying it. It's like, it's like, guess what ruins an experience? You do all this stuff. The next thing you know, you get this, this letter attached to a, an EOB or a bill. Yeah. And it's garbage. It's a letter that says, what the, f- I mean, I mean, who was that? I saw this really nice therapist and they worked with a great tech and someone, and I get this letter and it's like this, you better pay this now or whatever it is. I I don't even tell what it is, but I've listened, I've read these letters and some of the words that are on these letters. And I'm like going, who would say this to a customer that you valued? I mean, help me with this, man. You get this, right? 
Oh, yeah. This is, by the way, let's take it back three steps earlier. So someone tells you they're happy, they're excited, they use all these great emotional connections, and by the way, they achieve their goals. And we say, cool, you're discharged, high five, and you never have a conversation with them again. Tell me the last time you went on a date. You're not married. You went on like four dates and you're like, wow, this is really cool. And you're sitting across from Jennifer, whatever her name is. And you're like, Jennifer, this is going great. I can't believe it. It's going so well. And when we leave tonight, I'm probably never going to call you back. It's been going so well. Yeah. That's what go. we do every time we discharge a patient. Yeah. So do you have, so back to mapping the experience, do you have the system in place? Do you have the experience mapped out so you know how to, what I call, continue the relationship? And then when they get that bill, by the way, this is what's beautiful about John. So John, because that billing part is part of the patient experience. So now if you, if you started properly and you built this trust and you took John's training and you've mapped out the patient experience and you don't discharge people and they're getting emails and phone calls from you afterwards and spread out like crazy saying you are important to us. Then they get a bill that they don't understand. What do they do? They don't immediately accuse you of fraud and bait and switch. They call and they say, hey, can you help me understand this? And you go, yeah, I can. Totally apologize for that. And then it, right? So, so it's not your chain. Some of these same things, that's what you got to understand. It doesn't make it a perfect world. It makes for a far better relationship. Right. And in that billing letter, I mean, to get really diked down, here's a tip yeah. for the listeners right off. Yeah. First thing you put on, First thing you put, first two sentences in there is that billing, healthcare billing can be confusing. Yes. We know it. Yes. We're in it. I hear you. Yes. Okay, so we, if it is, please call us because we want to make sure you're crystal clear on it. We're experts at this. So identify and connect to the patient's emotions about the story first, right? So, Just don't yeah. slam information at them. And we're back to going back to what John teaches. So you take those skills and you use them for every. So now you just took an interpersonal communication two day course and you put it on a billing piece of paper and you right. are going to be more successful. And then let me give one other example of how I use that. Cause I love that John, you made me think. So let's think about outside of the provider patient and how we can incorporate this. I had a couple phone calls and it's funny how this stuff comes in groups about Oh my God, Jerry, I'm on my own. You're talking about the importance of answering the phone. Things are going to go to voicemail. What am I going to do? Well, so let's step back. There are not many options here. It's going to go to voicemail. So instead of telling them you're stupid, it can't go to voicemail, figure it out. I took a step back with this guy and it happened twice in the same week and had great, great experience with it, with them is I said, okay, everybody hates to get voicemail. Yeah. I said, so why don't we acknowledge that on the voicemail? I said, so let's do this. And we did this. We took this whole idea. And so it was, hi, this is so-and-so at, what do you call it, physical therapy. Oh, my God, I can't believe you got my voicemail. I hate getting voicemail. Do me a favor. Leave me your phone number. I'll call you back in 50 minutes. Bye. And it, so it was that self-effacing. We all hate getting it. And then you made a guarantee. And how we came up with that 50 minutes, just for context, is I asked him how long his patient visits were. And so we figured no matter when someone called, they could always get a call back in 15 minutes. So now the important part was him being aware of when he got that. Remember, you didn't say I'd call you back and schedule you. 
You didn't say, I'd call you back and answer your questions. It was, I'll call you back in 15 minutes. Oh my God, I can't believe you got my voicemail. I hate getting voicemail. And it was like right off the bat, just like that letter, putting all this yep. into every step. This is how we incorporate this relationship-centered care into everything. Now and I'm getting excited. Those first, first two episodes, good. John talked a lot, but whatever. <laughs> Get, I mean, the, okay, you're, I mean, there's so many ways to sum it up, but yeah. one of the key pearls of interpersonal relationship is connect. Connect with the emotions. Don't talk them into something. Don't cognitive them with something. Connect with them. Hear them. Identify with their, what they're feeling. Get out of the way. And just say, oh, yeah, I hear you, man. Oh, yeah. Voicemail? Ugh. How you do that matters, right? And, you know, Jared gave an example. I might tweak a little bit, but that's kind of in the fine details. Yeah. And I, I'm going to say this, too. The fine details matter. How you do this, the delicacy with which you, do, you craft these kind of messages is not a small task. Because the right tone and the tone that's okay for me, and I have to say, Jerry's tone is way out on the end of a bell curve somewhere. <laughs> Like, I don't even know. I think it's off the end of the bell curve. You, you, you have a stand, I don't know what standard deviation you are, Jerry, but you're out there at 35.8 or something like this. <laughs> oh, so the, the tone that works for Jerry isn't going to be the tone for works with the, with the standard deviation you probably want to sit with. So you're, you know, the, the, the deep, the delicacy with which you say these kind of things, the tone of the voice, the pace of it, all of that shit matters. I'm telling you, our nervous systems pick up on all of that. And it's super cool. It's freaking awesome when you understand it. Because then you can use it and use it in a way that helps people even better than they even know they're being helped. They don't even know it. They're like, oh, that was great. Man, I really like that. It felt good. You know, 15 minutes? Okay, I can get a call back in 15 minutes. So everything matters. That's, I'm going to get to that. And, and that's part of the training also, Gary, is that, is that when people, I mean, it, it does not matter from what angle you're coming at this. Um, from the healthcare provider, from the administrator angle, from the, the CEO who's trying to organize a culture, how people communicate matters. It is the foundation of all humanness. And when I say humanness, being a human being means how well we communicate with each other. And, and I'm going to tell you, it, in so many ways, we're not even, we're, we're not paying attention to how we're doing it. And, and I want to change that. I want us to all get better at this. For every single reason you can imagine, you just need to learn how to do it really, really well. And you're already doing it. And it's working for the most part. It's just that, well, how can I really dial it in? And I often, even the course, people notice this is, you know what was really helpful? And I, I got a couple of uh, video interviews on this uh, over the weekend. You know what's really helpful about this? You know, you've kind of brought a language to what I'm doing already. And, if and you a can little bring structure, a language, right? And a little structure. Yeah. Yeah, language and a little structure it. to it. Now that I know this, now, you know what I can do? I notice that I can get better at it because I kind of know what I'm doing. Or I, now I know what I wasn't doing that I can do better. And it's super cool. I mean, everyone, everyone benefits from this. Yeah, it's interesting. When I, when I was going over the patient experience, which we go a lot higher, lo lot higher level, but we talk about some of these mm -hmm. things John has mentioned, but we at least put it at the therapeutic alliance, managing expectations. As I told everybody in the room, you're not going to hear anything new. You're going to, or sorry, you're not going to learn anything new. You're going to, no, sorry. I said, you're not going to hear anything new. Apologize. You're not going right. to 
But what you are going to learn is how to connect the things you already know, because there is a way to connect them so you can be more successful. You know, it's interesting. John also said about this connection. And uh, the other thing is we can't convince people to do anything. And I just did a Facebook live um, on October, uh, what, a couple weeks ago, October 17th. And um, that Facebook live was about, we have to stop believing. We have to convince people. And what I do in that Facebook live, if you go back and watch it, it'll mimic this discussion. Exactly. If we go back and create and listen and build this alliance early and build this relationship early, you're not convincing anybody to do anything. You're giving them choices and they will decide what choice they want to make. And that's back to that motivation and helping people to understand about how you can help them and not telling them, well, geez, there's no research behind acupuncture because now you just gave them an easy choice. Right. Exactly. Yep. So guiding people, we just, we need to be, we just need to be better at guiding people through, through the whole experience, through the whole experience, through the whole experience in a way that works for them. And in a way that works for them, do not misconstrue that because if that's the last thing you hear, you're all going to go home and pee your pants. It's not about just them. John says in this whole relationship centered care, right? That's what it is. Okay. So it's again, it's, oh, you can't give people what they want. And it's like, back up. If you believe in this expert centered care, if you believe in not doing all the work John has talked about over these last three episodes, then yeah, you can be that kind of person and you will not connect and you will have a shitload of non-compliant people and it will be their fault. Right. And then they will say that physical therapy doesn't work and you'll ruin our profession. So, you know, so taking this relationship centered care approach is a win for the patient is a win for you as the therapist, because your outcomes, your NPS surveys, all this feedback about you is improved. It's a win for the business because these people complete their plans of care and they're happy as hell. They saw you. And again, remember all those other things happen. It's a win for the profession because now they will tell people how their physical therapist help them and what a great experience it was. And then number five, it's a win for healthcare. It is actually a five win over by building this, re building this relationship center care and building the skills that John teaches for you to achieve it. And I don't say that lightly. And I say it because I believe every bit of it and I'm willing to have further discussions on any of those five components. And again, it flows down from patient-focused relationship-centered care. I'm learning more about me so I can help the people across from me. And boom, everything else flows down from that. Plain and simple. Got it. Plain and simple. Everything. If it, and simple. if it were that plain and simple, Jerry, everyone would be doing it, right? That is correct. And that's why there's John Wolf. So, John, where go. can people find you? Ah, you can find me at patientsuccesssystems.com. Patientsuccesssystems.com, just like it sounds. And, uh, and at the IAOM-US.com. That's, that's short for the International Academy of Orthopedic Medicine United States. We're a worldwide continuing education teacher who, who approaches the, uh, the clinician to help them become a complete and whole clinician, including this training we've been, we've been talking about. So those are the two areas I'm at. Also at Juan Lobo. Juan Lobo, J-U-A-N-L-O-B-O-P-T, Juan Lobo PT, 
and uh, and you'll tell everybody. But Wolf is spelled two O's, like Virginia. John Wolf, J O H N W O O L F. Unlike the Wolf in, um, oh my God, now I'm drawing a blank. Oh my God, what was that? Peter and the Wolf. No, no, no. Oh, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, um, that is Mr. Wolf. Hello, that it's is like Mr. Like yeah, this. he was the problem. Yeah, solver. I like this. Hi, hi, I'm Mr. Wolf. I solve problems. I'm here to solve yeah. problems. He was the problem solver. I'm here yeah. to solve problems. Exactly. Yeah. Pulp Fiction, people. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Anybody go. heard Mr. Wolf and thought Pulp Fiction before is the perfect listener for this podcast. So Pulp Fiction, the wolf, he's a problem solver. Just remember that. John Wolf, problem solver. So um, I thank you immensely, John Wolf. Um, you can find the show notes. You can find all of the links John mentioned will be in the show notes. You um, can go to my website and learn more about the patient experience. Uh, you can go back and listen to old podcasts, new podcasts, subscribe at iTunes at healthcare disruption podcast. You must type in podcast. Everybody tells me I can't find it. I say, it's like telling people a Wi-Fi password that has the number spelled out. It's, it's comical at times. It's healthcare disruption podcast. You must type in every one of those letters, healthcare disruption podcast on iTunes for the new content. The old content still lives under healthcare disruption. Best solution, go to my website, for, go to the podcast tabs. You can find all the new episodes there, okay? And um, this has just been phenomenal and brings so much stinking value to, to my podcast and everything I do, but bigger it solves, and it's a win for all five of those things that I told you about and fits in perfectly with my patient-focused, relationship-centered, patient-experience world, so... Thank you immensely, John Wolf. I owe you a drink in New Orleans after your talk. So yes, you're speaking at CSM, talk. speaking at CSM for the private under the private practice section track in New Orleans in February. I highly recommend you look them up. And remember, look for anything around centered care, and John Wolf's name should be next to it. What was the title again, John? Because I love that title. Uh, relationship centered care. No, your so CSM talk title. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, patient-centered care is a myth. It's time to lasso the unicorn. I mean, if you don't want to attend a talk that has unicorn in the title, I feel very sorry for you. And um, <laughs> again, even if it's at 8 a.m., just go straight from the bar, straight into John's talk. He's used to doing with me that way. He won't mind you in there straight from the bar. So it doesn't matter where you're coming from your room, the bar, just get into his talk, please. And thanks again, John. Any parting shots? Nope, Jerry, it's always a pleasure, man. You're, you're inspiring a whole lot of people to think differently, and that's really what we all need. So you're inspiring me to do the same. So awesome. anytime I can contribute to the conversation, happy to do it. All right, and we're only gonna get there together, people. No individual, no one person is gonna get there. That's why I love bringing on people like John and Jeff and Richard Zhao and Mike Eisenhart and all these other Jeremiah Sarkit. You know, go back and listen to all those interviews. All those people bring so much value to this conversation. So thanks again from the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. Thank you, John Wolf, and uh, we'll see you soon, my man. All right, thanks, Jerry. See you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love to uh, see your thoughts and opinions on this. And uh, if you really like what you heard, then why don't you subscribe so you make sure and get the uh, latest notifications every time we post a new episode. 
If you want to stay in touch with Jerry, make sure and head on over to jerrydurhampt.com and click on the stay in contact button. And I tend to hang out on Instagram at jerrydurhampt and Facebook at jerrydurhampt. Thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you again. Bye-bye.